Today's Five Clubs podcast is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips. Refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride. Respect the grip. Hello and welcome in to the Wagyu Filet Show. I am Johnson Wagner with Brendan DeYoung. Brendan, it's been a couple of weeks. We got a lot to discuss. Farmers, Pebble. I think we got to kick it off with uh, Wyndham Clark's performance, shooting sixty on Saturday. Course record. Um, say what you will about that course record. I know it was ball in hand, but uh, he got a flag signed by the head pro out there. It's a course record to me. Um, you know, just all in all, the weather. It was a crazy week out at Pebble Beach. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, you know, obviously you were there, Wags. You know better than anybody. Um, it, it's it's such a special place. It's uh, it's so cool to watch an event out there. And you know, since I've stopped playing, there's not a lot of times I've been jealous, but this was one of them. You know, I I used to love going out to Pebble. It was a always a great event. And and as you say, it's just it's it's a cool place. And what I make of it, I mean, Wyndham Clark got it done. You know, those guys teeing it up on Saturday morning. They had to know in the back of their minds, there's a good chance that we're not going to play Sunday. He went out and shot a course record 12 under par. I know ball in hand, but still, you got to get in the hole and just extremely, extremely impressive. He was ridiculously impressive and, and came up on our set. We had a beautiful Golf Central set right off the 18th fairway. He came up. It was me, Rich Lerner, and Paul McGinley. And we didn't have – we were trying to get a lot of players to come up and, and talk to us. And he came up right after he finished that 60. There were still a couple groups out on the golf course. And, and when we got done with our interview, he was straight to our computers like, what is Ludwig doing on 17? What is he doing on 18? Like, where is everybody? Like, he knew, uh, I think, with – probably 90% certainty that that was a 54 hole event. And I think Paul McGinley made this point, like he played those last three holes, which he needed two birdies and all three of the putts were just gutted in the heart left just short. But Paul made the point, like he knew he was also playing for the win, not just shooting 59 and that maybe got a little tentative, not wanting to run those putts five feet by. But uh, anyway, it, it was just, uh, it was a tremendous performance. This golf course, Brendan, uh, I mean, from, from Monday on talking to players, Pebble and Spyglass were just completely saturated. Uh, some really weird. Wyndham was one of the guys over at Spyglass that actually lost a ball, had to go back to the tee and hit another one. So it was it was a crazy week. We've seen it soft, firm, but I don't know that I've ever seen it as soft as it was this week. Yeah, I, uh, as I say, I watched a lot of it, and there were a ton of balls plugging in the fairways. And honestly, if you didn't have marshals out there, there would have been so many lost golf balls in that fairway. And yeah, it, it rained. It's it's that time of year at Pebble. The weather's always going to be a little bit iffy. I mean, no better place when the weather's great. Um, yeah, you, you know what you're getting into. And as you say, you know, as a Wyndham clock there, common sense tells you that 54 holes is all you're going to play that weather forecast was absolutely atrocious for sunday you are uh, you lived through it obviously well we didn't i didn't leave the hotel we ended up shooting both of our, our golf central shows from this like lobby bar of of our hotel which the crew at golf channel the tech the, the camera guys i can't believe how quickly they got it set up uh to actually be able to do uh, live tv from that location um Sunday was some of the windiest weather I've ever felt. I mean, by our hotel, which was inland, some five miles, eh, three miles from the coast, 
uh, it was whipping like to the point where you didn't really want to be outside. Uh, we saw a bunch of pictures and videos of, of the golf course. It wasn't that they had that much rain, it, but our, our set was kind of ripped to shreds. I know a lot of the hospitality were, were down TV towers, just completely blown over with, you know, $250,000 cameras just strewn out on the ground. So I, I think there was no way to play even uh, McKenzie Hughes. I was hanging out with him quite a bit Sunday, staying at the same hotel and he couldn't even get to the course until about 9 PM to get his clubs, to catch a flight out the next day. It was just trees down all over 17 mile drive. And, uh, they, they made the right call. It's a shame for AT&T with this new year signature event, uh, with 80 pros, like to not have, there was no football on Sunday to not have that stage for them was a, a real bummer, but I still think all in all, uh, the tournament had some juice, like uh, the crowds Friday, Saturday were massive. Um, it, it felt like a big time event. Yeah, it did. And I, you know, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the M's just playing Thursday, Friday. I loved that Saturday with the amateurs and the creating that atmosphere, but I think it worked well. I really do. I think they obviously got their round at Spy, round at Pebble, plus all the practice rounds. And and I like this. I like the way it did work out. I still would like to see a bigger field for these signature events. Still don't like the no-cut event. Um, but I did like that uh, the fact that the Ams just played Thursday, Friday. The, I, I'm in complete agreement with all everything you said there. It just, you know, the World Golf Championship model – uh, didn't work with these 75, 80 player fields. They we, we went away from that model for a reason. And because the bottom half of the field, bottom third of the field doesn't, isn't really into it. There were so many guys out of, out of contention, including Roy McElroy was after that whole thing, his mess on Thursday finishing and the way he played Friday, Rory was never a factor anymore. Um, I, I think there's still a lot to be decided, but, uh, Going back to the greatness of this tournament, I'm going to give you some credit here. Uh, Ludwig Ober, or excuse me, I think we have a new pronunciation. Uh, we, it's Ludwig Oberg, I think is yeah. how we want to be uh, called now. It's going to take a little time to get used to that. Um, you have said multiple times you think by the end of, year, end of the year he's going to be a top 10 player in the world. Well, let me throw some numbers at you. He moved up to 11th in the world. And as you know, with the World Golf Championship, I mean, the uh, OWGR, you get points for high finishes and then they divide that by how many tournaments you've played coming up with a number that is your world ranking so the minimum number of tournaments you can have it's called a divisor is 40 events ludwig only has 22 he's only played 22 events and they still divide it by 40 to put him at uh i think he is at, excuse me um Anyway, he's 11th in the world. I think it's 3.6 something. If you divide his total points by the 22 events he's played, it's 6.9. You know where that puts him in the world ranking? Third in the world ranking. It's ridiculous, the ascendance that he's had in the most pressure-packed situations. The tee shot on 18, the second shot on 18, knowing he probably needs to make Eagle to tie and have a chance. Like This guy just keeps pulling off shot after shot. You know, I was uh, I was listening to a very popular podcast the other day, and they were uh, they were talking about how essentially maybe Ludwig is talked about a little bit too much. He hasn't really proven himself as a as a top five player in the world just yet. They were saying maybe Nikolai Hoygaard might even have a better career than Ludwig Oberg, and I. I don't know where these guys get their credibility. I was a little bit frustrated listening to that because I think this guy is an absolute generational talent. Like 
that there's not a thing about him that that doesn't lead you to believe that this guy's going to be around for a hell of a long time. There's no weaknesses. The guy's demeanor is fantastic. There's no situation that's too big for him. The guy's already played in a Ryder Cup. You know, it's just everything leads you to believe that this guy is going to be there for the long haul. And he, as I say, he is a generational talent. Yet to play a major championship yet. He's gone in well under a year from a collegiate standout player to a to the 11th ranked golfer in the world and has done it in such a short amount of time and i the 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 whole point about the divisor thing like the amount of points he's won divided against the number of events he's played he's third in the world he's ranked ahead of he's he's ranked ahead of victor hovland like it's 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 crazy um and victor hovland has had such a good run so i i think that uh, He's here to stay. I cannot wait to watch him play in the majors this year. Augusta yeah. is going to be such a good fit for him, but I don't think there's a golf course that isn't a good fit for him. Well, that that's the other thing. You know, I, I think it's a game that's tailor-made for majors. I think it's tailor-made for the, the harder golf courses, and we've seen him win on golf courses where you need to make a bunch of birdies. So, I, you know, I, I, I hate to be making these kind of bold predictions, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him win four or five times this year. I honestly wouldn't. Just everything I have watched, and luckily I've got to see a lot of him, is is very, very good. It's good. It's <laughs> It's just good. There's nothing else to say about it other than it is good. It is good indeed. Speaking of good, Wyndham Clark. Now think about the three tournaments he's won. Wells Fargo Championship, signature event, the U.S. Open, uh, and now Pebble Beach. I mean, I think each each of his winning paychecks has been $3.6 million. You add those three wins up, I think he's earned more than I made in my entire career. So very happy for him. The dude works his tail off. Um, so he came up on set uh, after his round, and I reached out to Drew Stoltz, the sleazy man, um, because I know they're close just to, just to get some, you know, good questions to ask. And, and sleazy said, he said, uh, ask him about how many putters he traveled to Pebble beach with. And Wyndham came in and said, basically he came to Pebble beach with eight different putters and had a new putting coach on the ring, on the putting green with him on, on Sunday, uh, before the tournament, uh, settled on a putter and a style, but then later in the week switched to cross handed for the first time and goes out and made, he made 90 feet of putt around Pebble on Friday and then he made 190 feet of putt on on Saturday, the single greatest putting round in Shotlink era at Pebble Beach. And he even made a 25 footer for bogey that doesn't register as a right. Putt. So, yeah, I mean, my knock on Wyndham last year, watching him play Punta Cana, I was calling that that tournament uh, opposite the World Golf Championship match play. He couldn't make a putt, and now he's turned into just a, a world class putter. The short game is incredibly impressive. I, I mean, 15 he pulled it long left and just made that chip shot look incredibly easy up there to a tap in. I, I think when you have the length he has, the short game that he has, and now throw in a, a, a guy that can make that kind of many feet of putt, like he, it, the U.S. Open wasn't a fluke. I think Wyndham's here to stay and, and to play in big events. Yeah, very much so. And I, I watched a lot of that final round. And that, that putt that he made for the one from off the green for bogey on thir on uh, 12, excuse me, unfortunate off the tee, buried it in the bunker and then kind of made a mess from there. Had to play a shot left-handed and then hold that from off the green. That, that, that was huge. That kind of held it all together for him. You know, a double at that point would have been really bad. And then steps up there and birdies the very next hole. Didn't hit a great tee shot, but hit a super approach just behind the hole and again made a great putt. And he's kind of turning into the... 
the modern day Brooks Kepka just showing up in all the big events. As you say now, three wins, a major and two signature events. So that's cool to see. And he's got the game for these, uh, these big events and big golf courses. Let's talk a little bit more about the softness of play. I had I had the chance to speak a lot with Mackenzie Hughes. He didn't have a good tournament, finished T71, but he's a friend of the program here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, he was on one at Spyglass on Thursday, making the turn, and hit a drive down the left side. And you know one at Spyglass, downhill, can't see the ball land. Yeah. Hits a provisional because they know everything's plugging. Uh, doesn't really know where that one went either, but thinks it's in the fairway. And so he's playing with Hideki Matsuyama and two amateurs. And they go down. Everybody's looking for the ball, looking for the ball. They find it. Uh, and nobody started a clock. Don't know how long it had been. Uh, McKenzie looks over to Hideki and says, hey, Hideki, you okay if I play this ball? You think that we were good on time? I mean, and as a player, I, I would never, if I didn't have a watch out, I would never say anything. Yeah. And apparently Hideki said, I think it's been over three minutes. And so McKinsey calls in a rules official. They're sitting here. Just think about how much time they're wasting making this decision. Stephen Cox comes over and he's like, McKinsey, it's, it's up to you. What do you, what do you think? And he's like, well, if I, if you had to put a gun to my head, I think it was, you know, pretty close to three minutes, maybe just over three minutes. So he had to forfeit that golf ball and then go spend another three and a half minutes looking for his provisional ball. Like you think about there was upwards of, I heard 12, players lost balls and had to go back to the tee as as a uh, in plug lie situations a couple in the fairway yeah and then you see what happened to patrick cantley friday on three at pebble where he hooked it around the corner can't see anything it was on tv and there were two marshals standing there that said it went into this spot so he was able to get a free drop without even uh finding the ball because of television it just i know it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way including mckenzie that who found his ball but i i, I feel like Stephen Cox should have taken the high road there. I can't imagine John Brindle wouldn't have been like, well, if you didn't have a clock out, we've got to assume it was under three minutes and, and go ahead and play that ball. A hundred percent. If if you haven't, if you haven't had a clock out on that, then it's, and it's, you know, that it's somewhere, you know, common sense tells you what sort of time range, uh, how are you going to say that ball's lost? And I, you know, that, I don't like to hear that from Hideki. That would be one way. I know as a player, I would have said, you know what? I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that that was right around the three minutes. You're good. Go and play it. Yeah, it um, felt like I, two minutes and 59 seconds to me there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's kind of one of those. And I mean, I mean, I understand we have rules in this game, but sometimes common sense needs to kick in a little bit as well. Well, I don't think uh, we need to be looking for a Matsuyama Mackenzie Hughes President's Cup pairing and at Royal Montreal this year. That's for I, sure. No, that would have made the rest of that round a little bit cold for sure. Um, I tell and you the one, entire next day. And the entire next day. I tell you one thing though, I'd forgotten how slow these rounds were at Pebble. I um I got on the Peloton bike starting a 45 minute ride. No, right as yes, I did. <laughs> right as uh Scotty Scheffler was teeing off. I got off that 45-minute classic rock ride <laughs> as they were putting out on the second hole. That was uh, It was just absolutely ridiculous. Two holes in 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, obviously not helped by the softness of the conditions out there. Do I uh, look skinny, no, by the way? You look very skinny. I can already tell you're just withering away to nothing. Thank you. It feels that way. Um, I mean – the TV compound where our trailer was was in grass, and it was it was a soup bowl. You wouldn't have believed the the disgustingness of the portageons. Uh, like stepping in to go to the bathroom, it was just covered with what 
I'm hoping was mud on the floor of the Porta Johns. And I had a little bit of an interesting situation. I'm always very prepared with bathrooms, no matter where I am, whether it's an airport, TV compound, I know where the good spots are. We're sitting down there off the third fairway to the right-hand side. So not really close to the clubhouse, but the spa is right there. And I had, I had a primary, a secondary. I had a, all my bases covered all week long till Saturday morning, Saturday morning, have a seven o'clock production meeting. It's over right at seven 30. And I start booking it to the spot. It's about 150 yard walk. <laughs> I get there. The door is <laughs> shut. I can't get in. And so I start to panic a little bit, but the tennis center is right across the street. So I figure, yes, there's probably like an outdoor bathroom at a tennis center. People playing late at night and the clubhouse is closed. No bathroom there either. And so I'm, I, I, I realized I could, I, I wasn't going to make it up to the first tee because I kind of got a couple secret spots up there as well. Uh, but I, I couldn't make it that far. So I decided I was going to have to go in a Porter John for the first time in my life. Uh, I don't know how I've avoided it to this point. Um, but first time in your life. Number two in a Porta John. Yeah. Yes. For the yeah, first know, time in your life. Wow. I've got a I've got a good record. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm walking back and I'm thinking about like how brutal it's gonna be. Like I'm not gonna be able to make it happen there. I'm looking for bushes, I'm looking for everything. And I walk by the past the rules trailer and they're on a concrete pad and there's two sitting right outside their building that looked very clean. I walk up and they both say, one says shot link only. And one says PGA tour rule staff only. And I just barged in there, did my business and got out. But, uh, it was horrifying. I'm, I think I'm too big for that. And, 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 and a green box. I don't, I don't ever want to do it again. I want to start a new streak. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that you would rather go in a bush than go in a Porta John. <laughs> Porta Johns are not, not clean. This one I did, I, I did happen. I think I found the cleanest one on property at Pebble Beach Golf Links. Are you, you've got such a fear of little animals and things. Is that why you're afraid of porta johns that there might be a, a lizard in there or something crawling around? Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that would definitely be the case if, if we were somewhere tropical, I wasn't too, I was not worried at all about, uh, about animals in this Porta John. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe a big buck or a deer or something <laughs> in there, Pebble. That's about it. Uh, all right back to the golf matthew pavon finishes solo third to wrap up like i mean the west coast is still going on but he had that i think he finished seventh or eighth at sony open obviously wins the farmers last week comes out shoots an opening round seven under around pebble beach the first time ever seeing it and and just played solid all week long uh, these dp world tour now that we have 10 guys the top 10 on the dp world tour last season that weren't otherwise exempt on the pga tour got their cards and look at the way they're performing right now. Matthew yeah. Pavon, Nikolai Horigard, I believe, got his card through temporary membership last year. So, But still, I'm lumping him in the same category. These guys, back in our day, we had guys like Alvaro Quiros, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, mm -hmm. a bunch of guys come over and not have much success. But it seems like this new wave of young European golfers is here and are, are ready to ready to take on the PGA Tour. You know, it, it seemed in the past that those guys would come over and they knew they were coming over to play one event, maybe two events, you know, not play a completely PGA Tour centric schedule. I think there's a big difference to be said for that mindset where you know that this is going to be your home tour. You're going to play a lot of golf over here. I think that it's hard to come over for that one off event. And I think that's probably why we're starting to see a lot more success out of these guys. Um, Getting back to Pavon, he's a, you, I know you guys had him on your set on, uh, on, Friday, I believe, maybe. It was um, Thursday after his round at Pebble. Thursday afternoon. Seems like a, an interesting character for sure. Got a, got a tattoo on his hand that translates to 
the saliva that flows now will become the tears of joy tomorrow. That's a little deeper than the tramp stamp you've got on your back. <laughs> and I, I think I think if you translate it a little more literally, I think it's the sweat. Not the yeah, saliva, I, I was going to say, saliva. I think there was a, a little bit of a, a misinterpretation there, but it, the direct translation was the saliva. But obviously it means, you know, you work hard, you're going to reap the benefits of that. Well, I mean, this guy a few years ago was playing the Alps tour. He was telling us he played in Kazakhstan, Egypt, Kenya. He's played all over the world, climbing his way up to the challenge tour and then to the DP world tour. And now he's made his way over to the PGA tour. And I mean, golf is a global game and we have these, uh, these tours and these, these pathways to the PGA tour sort of, yeah. uh, they're already in place. And, you know, I know that a lot of guys on the DP World Tour are upset they, that they're, they've become a feeder tour to the PGA Tour, but that's just the way it's been for the last 20 years. Now, at least, it's it's set, and, and we know what the clear objective is. And the PGA Tour's got a real healthy pathway as well with the, the Lat, Latino America and Canadian Tours joining forces into one and the Corn Ferry Tour, and, you know, everything's feeding up to the PGA Tour. Matthew Pavon's a great example in this era of, of feeling like players are getting everything handed to them. Matthew Pavon goes out and just, you know, took it and proving the fact that if no matter who you are or where you came from, if you play good golf you know, at a professional lever, level, you are going to have tremendous success and nobody's going to be able to keep you out of any field that you want to play in. Yeah, he played really well down the stretch to claim that uh, that card from that DP World Tour. I think actually knocked out the other Hoygaard, Rasmus, um, yep. for that fifth spot. And, you know, he's he's come in and he's just played fantastic golf on the on the west coast and obviously got very comfortable from the start over here and you know what i i think this guy's going to be someone to stay as well looks like he's got a golf game that uh, that travels really well i watched him at the end of last year win in spain beat a really good field in spain beat john rom and uh you know played just some great golf down the stretch to get it done there for his first win so um you know obviously playing with a lot of confidence and you know what I, as i say i think this guy's here to stay yeah, well, he's going to be here for at least two years with that exemption. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I watched him on the range. Hits, <laughs> I mean, you would be in love with his driver ball flight. In person, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Just a nice power fade. He talked at length with, with us about it, how he's just over the last couple of years working with his coach trying to eliminate the left side of the golf course and just plays fade after fade, which is basically all the top players in the world with driver in hand. There are very few that turn the ball right to left. It's a It's – technology is built for the fade i mean you look at wyndham clark scotty scheffler rory even now rory can work yeah. it both ways but he still plays the fade um on the flip side of the dp world tour thing it's interesting and i, I didn't notice it any weeks before uh but there's a new category out there this year 126 to 200 on the pga tour right can go over and play dp world tour and this week, all five spots were taken up in bahrain dylan fratelli ended up winning the golf tournament uh Harrison Endicott, who uh, a good friend of mine, David Geese, is on his back. He went and played, played well. Sung Kang, Jonas Blixt, uh, and uh, Matthias Schwab all taking that spot, which I think for for me, I th that was a big thing. If we're going to give 10 spots to the DP World Tour for membership, we need something in return. We need to be able to send guys over there to play if they want. And and good on Dylan Fratelli. And who knows what he's going to do the rest of the year if he focuses on uh, DP World Tour and get in one of those 10 spots for next season. Yeah, good for Dylan Fratelli. I read an article where he was another one of those guys that were con was considering giving it up last year. Had such a dreadful year, wasn't enjoying the game anymore, and 
sort of took this offseason to rededicate himself and well now he's got got to win early in the year and you know that that's going to change the mindset moving forward but yeah i love the fact you know you've got this limited field event obviously at pebble give these guys an opportunity to go over there and play and you know these guys took full advantage of it yeah, it's a tough stretch on the calendar, too. You've got signature event. I think yeah. Ben Coles just got in. He's number one on the Corn Ferry Tour. He just got into uh, Phoenix a couple days ago. He was out as of last week. And then another signature event at the Genesis on the backside. So uh, guys in that 126 to 50 or Q school category or even, you know, bottom half of that Corn Ferry, they're not any of the corn fairy category they're basically not going to play for three weeks so it's good to see guys taking advantage of it i know a few went down and played in panama on the corn fairy tour so uh, there are options of, of professional golf uh, globally um it's not just one tour um and i've got to ask you obviously while you were at pebble there was some some big breaking news that the the tour has signed a, a deal with a, a partner ssg um i know that these are some of the the real big wigs in the sports industry um what, what do you think of this? Um, I, I'm sad that we came to the point where, where it had to happen, but I, I think they found a really good strategic partner. I think it sets them up that a deal can be done with the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, or maybe it doesn't necessarily have to. I think the tour felt like S, uh, the PIF was really strangle had a stranglehold on the negotiations. Now I think this puts the PGA Tour in a, a position of power. Like we don't we don't we don't need you. If you want to come after our players, you know, we don't like that, but whatever. Um, and I think that if something happens now, uh, it's the market's been set and and PIF is not going to have, you know, 40% control of the PGA Tour. I think that that's what a lot of players were, were concerned about. And I actually talked to a couple older players like our generation about this and they said, are we going to get anything? Are we going to be able to have equity? And, and the way I understand it right now, uh, our rookie year was 2007, first year yeah. of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, we benefited greatly from when our careers on the PGA Tour happened. Uh, the guys before us that didn't play after 2007, they never got any of the FedEx Cup retirement. So I think this is going to be that way. Uh, this is for the future generations and current generations that are playing the PGA Tour. I don't think it's going to be retroactive unless – you know, you've won 20 times on the PGA Tour, then maybe you can get an equity stake a la a Tiger or a Jack Nicklaus or something like that. But I think it's I think it's good. Peter Malnati, Webb Simpson, I spoke with both of them. They're both uh, policy board members. They were excited about this. So that well, makes me both. Uh, both sponsor exemptions at Pebble Beach as well, which was... Uh, yeah, and Adam <laughs> Scott got a sponsor exemption as well. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so let, let me ask you this for the for the golf fan out there, this uh, alignment here with SSG, does that move us any closer to unifying as far as this fractured thing that is golf right now? I, n no, I don't I don't think it does. I, I, I think until you have an agreement with PIF or some sort of agreement that, you know, the players of John Rahm, Kepka, Cam Smith. Um, the, and Dustin Johnson until, you know, me, I hate, I don't, Bryson DeChambeau, I, I've got to throw his name out there. Ugh, sure. made me sick to say it, but, uh, until those guys come back, Sergio, until those guys come back and play more often with the best players on the PGA tour. No, I don't think we're, I don't think we're any closer. And I don't know, Brendan, uh, from my feeling of talking to, talking to players, like, there needs to be a penalty. These guys can't just leave and then expect to just walk on back with their 
you know, bags of money, uh, there, there's gotta be something, whether they can't play signature events for a year or they can't buy equity share of the PGA tour. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. uh, I know Rory had said he wishes that everybody could just come back right now. And sure. That sounds great, but that would create so much tension between a lot of players that stayed and those guys coming back. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. I, I know we don't agree on everything with regard to live golf and that, um, but I do agree with you there that you don't just get to walk out the door and then come back like nothing happened. Um, I don't know what that penalty looks like. I, I think, as you mentioned there briefly, that maybe not being able to get any equity stake in the PGA Tour might be a good penalty. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that that's probably something that the, the higher powers are discussing right now, trying to figure that out. Um, you know, you, you have to think that everybody wants to get this game back to where it was unified, the best players playing against each other as often as possible. Um, in saying that, obviously, there was no uh, PGA Tour golf on Sunday. I watched a little bit of the live product. Um, it was the first time I'd ever seen it, and I came away with it with a few different takeaways. Um it's going to take some getting used to it really is it's it's very very different to watch um in saying that i didn't mind it uh but the the, the biggest thing that i took away was i i do miss watching a lot of these guys play golf like it was uh it was awesome to see sergio garcia playing john rom playing um i know john rom's recently removed but i do miss watching a lot of the biggest names playing golf and Joaquin Neiman, I, I, I've had the fortune to play with him a couple times his rookie year. Yeah. I, I really enjoy him as a person and him as a player. Uh, the Tyrrell Hatton, man. I mean, the, the, it has definitely weakened the PGA Tour. I didn't I didn't watch any, but Joaquin Neiman shot a 59 in the first round. Yeah. I and mean, that is not an easy golf course there uh, at Mayakoba. Um I heard there's a lot of music being played on their broadcast. Yeah, I I, I don't really care for that. I, I'm a I'm a big fan. You've converted me that way. Music during practice rounds, I think, is a must. Music during the tournaments, like kind of blaring with I, I don't know any of these DJs' names, Tesco or Tigo or something like that. Whatever these guys' names are, the, the music blaring in the background that would take a little bit of getting used to. Um, and another takeaway I got was that Greg Norman as an announcer is absolutely shocking. Everything mm. he said was wrong. You'd mm. call a shot for a guy and it would be the complete opposite. Um, but it, uh, there was some really good golf played. I will say that. And what do you, what do you make of them wearing shorts? How'd that look to you? I have no problem with that at all. You know what? Watching a guy hit a four on to two feet, whether he's in pants, shorts, or butt ass naked, I really don't care. That is a good golf shot. Yeah, and they're playing in Vegas this week. Uh, it should be interesting. I mean, it's Super Bowl week in Vegas. I think that was a pretty good strategic move. Yeah. They're probably going to get a bunch of celebrities and and have they, they they may actually get a little bit of traction this week coming up. No, certainly they they're taking the initiative. There's uh, there's some forward thinking going on there for sure. They're they're trying to grow this product. Um, I, I don't think it's ever going to sit well with your you know traditionalist. It's uh, it it's too it's too modern for that for sure. Um, but I, I will say that the, the, the biggest takeaway was that I, that I did actually enjoy watching, watching a lot of the golf. All right. Well, uh, to each their own, you're a, <laughs> you're a live guy now. Maybe you should start covering live. Um, what else from farmers, farmers insurance out at Torrey Pines, Pavon wins. Nikolai Hoygaard was right there. Uh, Steven Yeager played great. Uh, I mean, this guy just is knocking on the door. I think Steven Yeager's got to win soon. He's won six times on the corn Ferry tour and he can, he's continuing to put himself in position. 
Yeah, he is. Matter of time for Steven Yeager, one of those guys that's not scared to go out there and make a whole heap of birdies either. Shot a 58 on the Corn Ferry Tour, and as you say, yeah, he's won out there six times. Um, Yeah, you know, you, you put yourself in position enough times, and unless you're me, you're going to figure it out that you're going to win. At, one of them's going to fall into your lap. But, uh, yeah, you know, we watched uh, Pavon make an absolute mess of that 18th hole until he made the putt, you know. Missed the fairway off the tee. Shocking layup in the left rough. Just hit a miraculous shot out of the left rough, got it in the correct quadrant of the green, and made the twenty footer to win it. You know, the Tory's not everybody's cup of tea that golf course, but I will say this: that they always provides an exciting finish. It does. It really does. I mean, even even Saturday, Thomas Dietrich, who had a good week at Pebble as well, uh, picking where picking up where he left off. I mean, he spun that ball back front right pin on Saturday on eighteen, lands it way behind the hole, rips it back into the hazard, makes double, plays his way out of the final group. But really impressed with him coming back as quickly as he did last week to give himself a chance on Saturday to 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 win at at Pebble. Yeah, he's a, he's another one of those guys has hasn't won, but. Uh... Again, just a, an unbelievable talent. I uh, I saw a piece that Mark Immelman did that said, you know, watch watch this guy. This guy's uh, he's the real deal. Um, you know, th there's there's so much depth at the moment. There really is, and a lot of depth is coming from that DP World Tour. You know, there's a a lot of guys. We talked about it earlier. We've touched on it pretty deeply. That those guys coming over here are really really good. They are indeed. Speaking of really, really good, you and I had the pleasure of being in South Florida the week of Farmers. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, played a little outing for um, AIG Insurance, put on by our friends at Outlier. Uh, we played Panther National, new Jack Nicholas, Justin Thomas golf course, and then the next day we played the Park, West Palm Beach, municipal golf course. What were your uh, What were your opinions of that place? I, first of all, I've got to say that Outlier just do an unbelievable job. Tim Aronson, uh, Mike Ryan, you know, I mean, Mike Ryan was down there doing a reconnaissance mission, trying to find the correct golf courses for these guys to play. It's, you know, he, he's not one of those guys that makes a couple phone calls and asks, you know, you guys open this day, you guys open this day. He went down there, looked at all the golf courses and found some ones that he thought would be fun for these guys to play. And I tell you what, you, you said it. he found an absolute gem there in the park. That place is so cool. And, uh, you know, the, the further I get removed from playing competitive golf, the more I'm all about the vibe. And, you know, from the time you walk into that place, I know we we're both maybe a little bit jaded that morning, but you, you walk into that place and it's just so cool. The, the range is awesome. That, that is a time for the music to be going. You know, that's uh, at a place like that, you know, great bar area, lit par three golf course. And then, and then the big course itself is just phenomenal. Yeah, putting course as well, kind of like Himalayas yeah. or this will do at uh, Pinehurst. You, Gil Hans came in. This this was a municipal golf course that was about to get um, destroyed and have condos or housing development built on it. And it was a group of uh, sort of wealthy golfers from that the Palm Beach area, benefactors, so to speak, that said, no, 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 we want to make this a golf course. Gil Hans came in, gave his time for free and, and built – I mean, it felt kind of like you're playing down in the sand belt in Australia. Uh, I didn't lose a golf ball all day. You know how badly I've driven it. I lost a bunch at Panther National the day before. Um, yep. You could play the ball on the ground. This one guy I played with both days, I bet he shot 120 at Panther National, and he shot 88 the next day. It's like they're walking only with caddies at a muni before, I think it's 1230 or 1 o'clock. So they're teaching people like the real values of the game, walkability, playability. Uh, I can't say enough good things. I, you know, 
we have had the fortune to play a lot of golf courses and there's a lot that I play that I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I ever really want to come back and play this one. Uh, walking away from the park, I couldn't wait to go back. Next time I'm in South Florida, it is a stop for sure for me. Uh, I, I just, like you said, the, the whole vibe of the place was great. They've got a great logo, which you're sporting right now, it looks like. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, they uh, they had a girl walking around doing social media with everybody. And, uh, you know, one of the questions was, you know, what, what does this place remind you of? And you nailed it right there. It's It does. You feel like you're in Australia. You feel like you're in the Sandbelt. You're playing Royal Melbourne Metropolitan. Um, you know, one of those Kingston Heath, one of those golf courses down that Sandbelt. And the bunkering was phenomenal. And as you say, it's the, the playability is absolutely perfect gil hans nailed it and did it for free which is unbelievable um but you know every single guy from that group and i think we ended up with what 40 of us plus yep every single guy said you know what i would play the park any day over panther national and panther national is great it was fun it was it was different as you mentioned i i don't care if i never play it again but uh i thought that uh i thought that the park just everything they did was spot on and and you know i know we've talked about this it got me thinking immediately on the flight back i was like wow charlotte golf where we both live charlotte north carolina the public golf isn't great um we've got a a few municipals they're just they're just not built on great what's that it's bad public golf in charlotte's bad it's it's bad and the the courses are built on on tough pieces of land um so i'm wearing my docks hill hat which is uh, over off that uh, city-owned driving range off of south boulevard where uh, rob collins came in and built a wild putting green it's called docks hill after my dad and they have a driving range there and it's operated by the first tee of charlotte my brother and another friend, Jonathan Ishi, are on the board of the first tier of Charlotte. And we have looked at places like, I don't know if you've been to Sunset Hills up north of town. They've got 27 holes and kind of an interesting piece of property. We've had Rob Collins come and look to see if anything like that possible. But it is time. Something needs to happen in Charlotte. If we could have, you know, a tenth of the vibe of the park uh, in West Palm what how much that would grow the the game here in town and the way that you know youth can go out and play for free if you're a city resident it's only 30 bucks for a round if if you live in west palm beach at the park and and i just think that it's it's time for charlotte to to get its act together and do something cool like that yeah you know the the one public golf course that we did have that was fairly decent was ballantine golf club and and that got dug up to put put office blocks out there um i know they haven't completed everything yet but it's it's a shame there just really is no good option as far as public golf goes here and you know when we, all the initiatives are talking about growing the game well you've got to have you've got to have ab- availability if you want to do that and I, I i love to hear the fact that guys are looking at places i i don't know much about sunset hills i know where it is um it, it's just as you say it's time it really is and it doesn't even have to be like the idea of an 18 hole golf course, that model, it doesn't matter. You could, if, if the land, if you could build a cool driving range, maybe a putting course and have 12 fantastic golf holes, there's nothing wrong with that. If you need to play 18, you just maybe loop one of the sixes again. I just think that we need to start thinking outside of the box. Uh, Sifford in town is one of the, one of the best public yeah. golf courses. It's just nine holes. That's where yeah. the main first tee chapter is. And I mean, it's fun. I've, I've played there with my son. Like we will loop it twice if we have to. Um, but I think we need to kind of think outside the box as far as land in Charlotte, because there's just not that much of it in town to, to build anything new. And we've got to look at the properties we have and make them as good as they possibly can be. 
Yeah, that's that's right. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an eighteen-hole golf course anymore. I mean, we've we've both been to places like a hoopy. You know, you you obviously there's a bunch of different tee boxes that you can play, and th that's going to cost so much less than coming in and building extra golf holes. You know, you build a tee box here and there, and you change the routing a little bit. It becomes more fun to play that way. Um, again, yeah, I think you nailed it there. We've got to start thinking a little bit outside the box. And and I, I think we need to do something pretty soon, honestly, in the Charlotte area. Like it, it is, it's time now. It's definitely time. And uh, the park, just to show everybody that hasn't been there, how good it is, uh, they are having the next Capital One, the match. I think it's uh, JT Homa. Uh, uh, Rory Homa. Rory Homa with Lexi Thompson and- uh, Rose Zhang. I mean, this is going to be incredible yeah. under the lights, highlighting this great piece of property with, you know, four of the best players in the world. It's going to be must watch television, which I, I don't think any of those matches have been, but uh, I'll be watching this one intently. Yeah. You know, they, and they, they've already hosted uh, an underrated event out there, you know, uh, that we're involved in with the five clubs. Um, you know, Steph Curry's put his name behind that underrated tour. They've hosted events out there and, uh, you know, just the, the more the more this golf course can get showcased, the better, because it really is a gem. It is a gem indeed. Brendan, you got anything else uh, from Pebble or, or Tori? No, Wags, nothing else from those. Um, I, I got to say, though, that I really am looking forward to this week. It's uh, it's a different one. The uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, it is a different one. You go from everything that is Pebble, the traditionalists, to everything opposite which is now the waste management phoenix open and it continues to get bigger and bigger and uh you, you always hear stories coming out from uh from that week some some good some bad but uh yeah it's uh it's it's always a fun one to talk about yeah there's a good uh there's a good story uh, talking to a cop a few years back playing that event i was like what what's the what's the most ridiculous thing you've had to stop going on here at this event and he basically said i i'm pulling you know couples out of porta johns that are hooking up in porta johns around 16 and that i know I, I went into the porta john discussion earlier uh i think that's the i think i'd rather do what i did in the porta john than try to make that happen in that situation <laughs> uh yeah that would uh that wouldn't be the most comfortable but uh yeah there's uh, there's always some interesting stories there and obviously we we know that 16th hole it just keeps getting bigger and bigger that grandstand seems to get higher and higher and uh well sat saturday there is always a spectacle that's for sure Golf Central's got a set. Uh, they'll be live from 16. It looks sweet. I made a push to to get that week. I've, I've, I've always wanted to go back, not playing in that tournament, but uh, it didn't happen this year. I was happy to get out to Pebble. Um, all right, I'm going to make my pick for the week. Uh, I'm going a little off the wall. I've been riding the Justin Thomas uh, bandwagon. I, I, I still I wish I could pick him, but I think we only get to pick a guy four times a year. Um, I'm not picking Justin Thomas. I'm going with a guy who's had tremendous success around this place. Uh, darn near won it his rookie year two years ago. I'm going with the the Pepperdine. I don't even know their mascot, uh, but I'm going with uh, Sahith Thagala. They're the the waves, aren't they? Something like that. That sounds right. Yeah, um, it sounds right. Um, yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, he got extremely unlucky there as rookie. He had a great tee shot on seventeen, got a shocking bounce, ended up going left into that uh, into that hazard and came up a little bit short. Um, I'm not going off the wall. I am. I'm going to go straight down the line here with uh, a guy that has won the last two editions of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler for a three peat. I. Uh, I, I think he obviously loves that place. And he's figured out how to make some putts around there. So I'm going with him. 
And by the way, he had an incredible Friday performance um, at at Pebble. Uh, kind of just was stuck in neutral all day Saturday, but still finished like seventh, sixth. I mean, he's ridiculous. Uh, Justin Thomas, my pick from last week, also finished sixth. Uh, and I was debating between him and Jason Day. They ended up tying. So it uh, looks like I was making the same decision either way. Who did you have last week? Um. Oh, I had Jordan Spieth. How'd that go? Uh, a little bit lower than seventh. It was he was a little soft out there for him. He made some comments early in the week about it being a putting contest as 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 soft as it was. So that I, I wanted him, but uh, I I saw the writing on the wall there. I don't think he was he was in it. Um. All right. Uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? I'm taking the Chiefs. Are you? I'm going uh, going completely against you. Going uh, going with the Niners. Um, I'd like to see Christian McCaffrey get a Super Bowl. Um, I think it's going to be a great game, though. I really do. Uh, I'm with you. I want to see Christian McCaffrey. I'd like to see the Niners win, but uh, I like Tom Brady. I've learned not to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably a pretty good recipe. Don't bet against him. Um, but yeah, just hoping for a really good game. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Wagyu Filet Show. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll uh, catch up with you after the Phoenix Open. Mm-hmm.